There we go. Our readings this day come from Nehemiah and from Luke. And before we get started in there, just let me have a brief prayer again. We can never pray too much. To have a prayer again about illuminating. The prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, You are the source of all light. By Your Word, You give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in the Scripture, Ezra and Nehemiah, long, long ago, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, were the same book. And some editor, unbeknownst to us, we have no idea who did it, separated the two books. So, Ezra... And Nehemiah are now two books. They weren't meant to be. But in this story, you're going to hear the names. Ezra, who was the priest, and Nehemiah was the governor. And this is all back in the 5th century B.C. in Jerusalem. So, so it's like 600s, 500s B.C. And, and they're placed together in Scripture. The way they write in Scripture is that Nehemiah and Ezra, must. it's written as if they were almost neighbors, you know, like... Maybe Nehemiah and Ezra, you know, hung out at the well. But they didn't. This is a heavily edited Scripture passage. They probably never ever saw each other. They may not have lived at the same time. But what happens to these Old Testament stories is that they, they take them and, 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 and use them to deliver a specific message. So, so many times, based on how we read and based on all of the types of, of uh, literary rules that we have, you know, uh, we, we think that would be awful, but no. It's just how they wrote 1,500 years ago. It has a wonderful, beautiful message in this passage. Hear these words of... Actually, it's going to be the words of God. But hear these words out of Nehemiah 8, 1 through 10. And there are so many wild names in this. But, and all the people gathered as one man. That means all the people were as one. Into the square before the water gate. Some translations will say into the street. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. We think it was probably Deuteronomy. We think he was actually reading from Deuteronomy. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. That's key right there. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. And in the presence of men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform, more likely a scaffold, and that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masaiah, on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Milkajah, Hashum, Hash, Bananada, Banana, sounds like banana. Let's see here. Hash Badana. There we go. Hash Badana. Zechariah Meshulam on his left. 
And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. Not unlike how I'm standing right now. And as he opened it, all the people stood, which was not unusual even in the old church, the old high church. People would have stood when the, the preacher or the pastor read the Scripture. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. That's an unusual term. Because as when we go back into the old Scripture, that term, the great God, that's not how the Hebrews spoke. So therefore, somebody's inserted that in there too. But he goes, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Yaman, Akub, Shephathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalatah, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their place. They read from the book from the law of the God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Now this is where I want you to listen because this is where I'm going to preach from today. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, actually it's Ezra saying to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this is the day, this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We now move forward to the gospel according to Luke. Let me get a sip of tea here. So, the reign of the newly anointed Son of God has just been tested. He just went out in the wilderness, had those 40 days, but today now is immediately after that. And we read the story of Jesus' rejection in His hometown, which foreshadows the opposition that His whole ministry will, will evoke. Luke, again, highlights the agency of the Spirit at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In other words, Luke highlights the work of the Spirit upon Jesus and around Jesus. And Jesus shows that He is faithful to Israel's practices. As I sometimes say from the pulpit, He was a good Jew. Here, observing synagogue worship on the Sabbath. Luke 4, verses 14 through 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about Him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord 
Thanks be to God. title of my sermon this morning is In the Midst of Suffering. And the question I hope to answer is, what is the holy day? Remember, um, Ezra, when he reads, he reads about the holy day. It'll be called the holy day. So, we can gather what is the holy day by, by, simply by Ezra's description, because there will be no grief. It'll be a liberation from our past. Why and how come? Because the Lord said so. And then he goes and says, be joyous. Well, to give you an idea of the setting, they had just returned to Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem had been decimated by the invaders of, of some years before. And so they come into this and they finally cleaned up the place, got the rubble out of the temple, got the... Uh, uh, they just... Uh, one week before this is written, they had finished the wall. So it was like they could finally be safe in the Jerusalem they had longed for, longed for from Babylon. They were ready. They were ready. But what was happening is as, as Ezra read this, they were, they were grieving. Why were they grieving? Because what Ezra was reading to them reminded them of why they got punished to begin with. Why they were punished by God. Why were they exiled into Babylon? Why were they taken away? And so, so they, they, they feel troubled because you know why. Because they think it could happen again. It, it could. But Ezra's readings say that it won't. So, this day, what is this holy day? What is that holy day? Well, we have... I mean, biblical scholars, not we. Biblical scholars have have kind of scoured the old Masoretic text, the the Latin Vulgate. The these are all uh, early manuscripts, and so what they've come up with that this day was not unlike a day we just celebrated, New Year's Day. This day was actually this this holy day was New Year's Day. And you know how you feel on New Year's Day? You know, you, you, got, you make those resolutions, you know, and you, get, you, get, you just get, get, get into like, I've got a chance to make this year right. I've got a chance. We've got a chance to make 2022 right. Well, in their case, it was 398 B.C. So, but, and, and so we boiled it down to actually it was uh, September 28th of 398 B.C. So, but uh, their calendar was not our calendar. But the point is, is that this is, this is what Ezra's saying. This is New Year's Day. This is a new day in your life. This is the first day, as we've heard before, and with a smile on our face. This is the first day in the rest of your life. Well, he's, Ezra's saying the same thing. This is the first day for the, of, of the rest of your life. So let it go. God has given you, God has given you this opportunity to let it go and party. Have a good time. What does he say? Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. 
That's a party. Not unlike what Jesus pulled at uh, Cana. You know, it's, it's like, this is it. Enjoy yourself. God had freed them. God had liberated them. God is simply t- really saying, forget everything that's happened before. This is a new life that I prepared for you. This is a new life. You're going to be fine. I never left you. I never forsaken you. Forsake you. It's time to enjoy life. So what makes it holy? What makes that day holy? What makes anything holy? What makes it holy? Is it sacred? Sacred might mean that it was uh, uh, set up by God. Okay, but but sacred. But the real word is it was set apart. Anything that you, you ever hear that's called holy has been set apart. Has been set apart. And holy is one of those things where who set it apart is really what's important. For us, holy means God set it apart. God set us apart, Christians, through Christ. God set the Jews apart because He chose them. But sacred set apart. But also, I like this one, is that it means it's different. New Year's Day, for us in our culture, is just as, as different from all other days of the year. And that's a similar what, what what was happening here, is that God is instituting this new day that precedes the celebration of booze, which I'll talk about at some other time, and some other Sunday. But it, it is a significant day in that it, give, it draws attention to something and it draws attention to a reason to move on, a reason to get over yourself, a reason to have the life which God made for you. Rick Warren, some years ago, wrote this line, and it's a really easy one to remember. God forgives you. Now forgive yourself. God forgives you. Now forgive yourself. It's hard to forgive yourself. It's hard. Counselors in Pittsburgh, psychologists' offices in Pittsburgh, you know, they're filled with people that can't forgive themselves. They've already been forgiven. Families forgiven. They're still kicking themselves. It's happened. It's hu- it, as, as the words I like to say, it's the human condition. God forgives you. Now forgive yourself. But, so, w- w- why do we need a holy day? Why do we need a holy day? Because sometimes we need to remember. Sometimes, and sometimes in the telling of the story, you might think that they were setting up for Sabbath. That's not the case. But what it was, was God was calling their attention. Remember what I have done for you. Remember how I brought you back out of Mesopotamia, out of Babylon, Assyria. I dragged you back. I led you back. You now have the city which I promised you. It was sustained since you were dragged out of there screaming and shouting. And now it's yours again. Rejoice. Be joyous. Remember what I did for you. That's why, we, why they needed that day. And guess what? We need such days. We need such days. This, this, this quarantine, age of quarantine is dragging us all down. What we forget is that, and in many cases, it's because it's the only news we get. But the other case is that it's really easy to get focused on ourselves 
and what we've given up. How many times am I going to be quarantined? Said my daughter. <laughs> Twice so far in two weeks. So, but the thing is, is that it's like, it's, it's, it, it, we get so focused on ourselves. I do. We all do. I'm no different. But the thing is, is that it, it's, it's, we need those moments where we can say, hold on a second, what has God done for us? Oh, yeah, that's right. God sustains this church. This church has weathered so much. This church has weathered wars. This church has weathered the Spanish flu. This church has weathered the depression. This church has weathered racial tensions. It's amazing. This church still keeps going. It's God. It's not us. You don't have to go back very far in the minutes before you don't recognize names because they have matured and going to be with God. But the thing is, is that when you look at this and you're going to say, we need that day. We need that time. And it, and, it, and it needs to be that time where we can stop and say, wow. There's this funny little story about two boys, that, uh, two little boys had, had quarreled, okay? Little boys don't quarrel, do they? Yeah. We fought all the time, my brothers and I. But the next morning, this Johnny, one of the boys who was at home, took his cap and headed for Bobby's house. It was Johnny and Bobby quarreling. And surprised, an older member of the family said teasingly, What? Going to play with him again? I thought you quarreled only last evening and were never going to have anything to do with each other. Funny memories. Funny memory you have. Johnny looked a little sheepish. He dug his toe in the carpet for a moment and then flashed a satisfied smile as he hurriedly said, Oh, Bobby and me, we're good forgetters. Be a good forgetter. Forget. Forget your mistakes. Forget the sins. Forget whatever is holding you down from just, just for a day, just for a moment. Have joy. What is your holy day? What is your holy day? What have you set aside so that you can actually, actually have that memory? I told you about Richard Fox. I told you about what good he did. And you know, the thing is, is that, you know, when I get bogged down, I think about the example he set for me. And I think about the experiences that he allowed me to feel. And the thing is, is I knew he always had my back. I knew that he, I was going to be fine. He'd find me on that mountain, and He always did. But the thing is, is that there are people like that throughout our lives. There are people like that all around. There are good people everywhere. But sometimes, like I could have easily done, sat by the creek and bemoaned the situation. Nah. Richard and I had this deal. As he's heading up the mountain... I'm headed down the mountain, down the stream. And he always seemed a way to find me. And you know what? I find that is one of those things to give joy for. Joy for a life that he lived by that example. May we be known in such a way. Let us pray. Lord, You have given us permission to be good forgetters. By the power of Your Holy Spirit, may we be so. May we set that example that yes, 
I am a sinner. Yes, I have, I have my transgressions, but I have been forgiven. And I have forgiven myself. May it be so. And so much more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.